Welcome into What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, covering the NFL, college football, and the top stories in the sports world with producer Patton Cook, NFL All-Pro and former Tennessee Titan linebacker Keith Bullock, veteran sports anchor John Burton. Well, guys, since we last met, the Titans ended their season with a 28-20 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars and knocked them out of the playoffs. And then two days later, Mike Vrabel was fired. Not traded, not a mutual parting of the ways. He was fired. And now the Titans are in search of a new head coach. This is something I predicted a month and a half ago. Maybe not the firing, but my prediction was that Mike Vrabel would no longer be the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And uh, so here we are. It was a surprise to many, not to me. Initial reactions, gentlemen. Mike Vrabel out here in Tennessee. I'll get the uh, initial reaction from Peyton first. All right. Well, uh, I was thoroughly shocked. Uh, A moment of rage uh, whenever the news first dropped. Couldn't believe that the Titans did it. I I needed answers. I wanted to hear from Amy. I wanted to hear from Ran. And after really almost the full kind of week of kind of thinking on it, of course, it dropped Monday. Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday, kind of afternoon, immediately after our show. Yeah, I much. know. How <laughs> convenient was that? Um, and I was off TV that day. So. Exactly. I, I was, I was pretty shocked. But I, after kind of listening and kind of listening to Ran and Amy and kind of hearing you and Greg talk about it, John, I mm-hmm. kind of understand it from a, a couple different aspects. One, uh, it was pretty clear Vrabel either didn't want to be here, was pretty displeased with the situation, and pretty toxic from what it seemed like as well. And you just simply can't have that in in an organization where your head coach either doesn't want to be there or is thoroughly disgusted with the way things are going. Disgusted that one, I think Rain Carthen was hired, Mm -hmm. uh, a guy he didn't want, a guy he didn't believe in his credentials, a guy I'm not sure he bought a whole lot into some of his moves in a free agency this offseason. But uh, here we are, Vrabel, not the Patriots head coach, not the Titans head coach, is just kind of sitting and waiting. But uh, all in all, was pretty furious after it, but starting to kind of understand it as the kind of details and some context just put it put behind it all. Yeah, there was reports that, you know, Vrabel went to Amy Adams Strunk and said he wanted power over the roster. I, he was given more, I know, this past year with Rand Carthon coming in, but I think he wanted to be able to be you know, to have final say. And when Amy said, that's not the road I'm going down. And I think the fact that, you know, this is a rebuilding franchise, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces on this team. They've got a young quarterback that, you know, we think is, has some potential. And uh, I agree with Patton. I've been saying it all along. I just, i never got the feeling Keith, he wanted to be here anymore, given, you know, where the team is going, you know, in terms of a rebuild, and the current structure of the front office? Well, you know, kind of like Patton, um, you know, I was surprised. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I didn't have any other, you know, feeling but surprised. I was like, man, I didn't expect that, you know. And um, I always sit back. I have the luxury because I don't work full time in the media, so I don't have to give a response right away. You know, everybody wants to give a response right away. I see former teammates and former players giving a response like right away, like before they even know what's going on. You know what I mean? Obviously there's more to it. As it started to unravel, you hear it was a very short conversation. It wasn't, 
too much back and forth and then more and more and more stuff comes out and then you know you get to the end of the week and you pretty much got the you know the whole um the whole pie so to speak or three-fourths of it anyway and then you can fill in the rest and i think initially um i just looked at it like look Vrabel. everyone speaks so high of Vrabel. Uh, the whole situation with New England, um, Ohio State hasn't won in a while, and everybody throws Vrabel's name in these conversations. And they weren't, they didn't do so well last year, so they they fired uh, John Robinson, and then this year they didn't do so well. And you know he's not happy with Rand. Um, you know, I just feel that Miss Amy Adams Drunk is the type of owner that wants to win. She has a vision. And she feels that if you're not in line with her vision, then, you know, she has to do what she has to do. And I just think that, you know, that meeting with her and Vrabel went sort of like, you know, Mike, we're going to have to make some changes. Sammy, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking more like this. And also to what you said, JB, like, well, that's not the direction I want this team to go in. Mike's like, well, all right. And she's like, it was very nice doing business with you, Mike. I appreciate your time with this organization and everything that you did for us. Uh, you know, I'm going to move on. Time to move on. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't think it was, you, you know. You don't think it was. Uh, it was a two-minute meeting per right. Diana so, Rossini. Wow. So like, it, right. yeah, that's what and I Diana's feel. Diana's plugged in with, 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 right. with so, what's going on. So I feel like, you know, look, man, like um, you peel it back. It's like Vrabel's won nine games in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um he came here from Houston. As a, he was a former defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. They were the 31st ranked defense that year that he got hired. Most people wouldn't get hired in a situation if you have the 31st ranked defense. Um, Mike Malarkey just took this team um, to the playoffs that no one even thought of was going to make the playoffs. So Vrabel came through with a full pantry. A full pantry. You know, he had to make the decision to go from Mariota to Tannehill. And that happened to be a blessing in disguise. You know, drafted A.J. Brown. Blessing. You had Derrick Henry, Kevin Byard. Big Jeff was a good draft pick. You know what I'm saying? So, like, okay, you're putting. But then after a while, after a while, you see things, you know, start to fray after Cincinnati. And there's nothing sustained you know um Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing um sustained to even kind of keep them fighting they had they fell apart the year before and then this past year um you know they lost three well i believe like uh six or seven games by one score yeah you know that's what i love that's what you can count on from a Vrabel team they're gonna fight yeah. No, not, I'm, not yeah, saying Mike, gonna... I'm not saying Mike Vrabel isn't a good coach mm-hmm. at all because mm-hmm. I do think he's a good coach. Yeah, you know what I mean? I agree. I just think that he gets a little more credit. Like when you peel it all back and you, you go back and read a couple of chapters of the of the early Mike Vrabel book as a head coach, mm-hmm. I, I think he gets a little more credit um, than, than realized. And, uh, you know, I think in the next, next time he gets an opportunity – um, you know, let's he, he's gonna have to put his own ingredients together for the gumbo. Well, uh, it looks like well, we know now that that next opportunity won't be in New England. We'll talk more about that as the show goes along. Um, but 
you know, you hear reports that some of the stuff he had to say when he went uh, into the Patriots Hall of Fame rubbed certain people in the Titans front office the wrong way. And we don't know if that's true or not. That's that's what some reports say. But it was curious. What did he say? He said something to the effect of, he, t- he basically, in his induction speech, he said something, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, hey, you, you know, all the Patriots fans, be happy with what you got, with what this organization has done. Um, what you, know, you have over the last, is yeah, everywhere. Yeah, he said, because it's not like this everywhere. <laughs> and so a lot of people thought that by saying that, he was taking a shot at the Titans, maybe at Amy, maybe at whatever. At the Titans uh, fans and something like that. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Just, just, well, just the culture, too. And yeah. I, I think the main thing that got them in trouble over that and this is another thing that came out of the athletic article was they did not talk about it. Uh, they just kind of let it be. Vrabel had, why do I need to explain myself mm-hmm. over nothing? Mm-hmm. And I, I think this also got them in trouble with John Robinson because you had reports that they were not speaking to each other uh, after the season started. And you had the A.J. Brown situation go the way it did. I think just the pettiness over at that organization where yeah. grown adults are just picking sides it's it's like it's like a, the, the divorced parents you're picking which side you want to be on I, I i just think the way they let it fester and grow into something bigger than it really than it really was like that comment isn't anything of course the titans aren't the patriots they haven't won a super bowl i haven't seen a super bowl in my lifetime i've seen them go <laughs> i haven't seen them win or really well you're barely alive when they win exactly so i of course, I mean, it's no shot at anyone. The Patriots aren't aren't anyone else in the league. Well, they aren't the Steelers. They're well, anybody yeah, else. Well, that end, right, go ahead, he's, Look, he's being inducted to a place where he was a player and he cut, like, you know, he started. He won three Super Bowls there. Yeah, Touchdown like he, passes from Tom think Brady. Think about this, man. He came in with the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the best franchises in the NFL. I've been there for three weeks as an intern um, coach. Um and then he played for New England, and they, he was there for from the beginning to the end. And to take it even saying? further, KB, I mean, he played his college ball at Ohio State, a blue blood college football program. Right, so he knows football. And look, as a former Tennessee Titan, like the Titans are one of those, and I love everything Amy Adams Strunk is doing, but they're working their way to get there. You know what I mean? And I have to say, Mr. Adams didn't put much time into the team when I was on the team. He would show up. You know, I'm fortunate that he kept the team because I got to play for the Titans. You know what I'm saying? I definitely appreciate my time. But when I went to New York for that one year, I definitely know Mr. Mara was at practice every day. He Mm -hmm. was conversing with his general manager, uh, Jerry Reese, every day. You know, every day they were analyzing something. He was very in tune to um, everything that was going on. I remember at camp, I made a comment about, you know, one of the reporters asked me about playing for the Jets or the Giants. I was like, you know, something about, you know, playing for New York's team. You know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. And walking to practice, Mr. Mara was like, yeah, I like what you said. And <laughs> so that's how I know he's in tune. Right, to, he's plugged you in. Know, so, um, on, yeah. And it seems that uh, Miss Amy is like that now. You know, and I feel like the good franchises – they are like that. The Roonies are like that. You know that, JB. Right, exactly. So. And, and you know, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. a team that's been able to sustain success in winning. The Titans are not in that that level yet. A simple question, guys, and, and KB, feel free to recuse yourself from this question if you don't want to answer it, but 
you know, I know you're a guy that likes to speak your mind. Are the Titans dysfunctional? I'll go first. I think they absolutely are. Um, and I think they have been. I'm going to say my entire life, Keith, and maybe you disagree <laughs> with me. I, I just think some of the stuff they do, and I was kind of talking to my friends last night, kind of going through it. Mm -hmm. The timeline of terror. I mean, <laughs> in before my lifetime, firing Bum Phillips proved to be the wrong decision, I think. Uh, letting Steve and Derek Mason go to your direct rival, who fans hated, the organization hated, and maybe they didn't go up to their full potential, but that clearly did not work out. I think keeping Jeff as long as they kept them proved to be an issue. I'm not even going to talk about the Ken Wisenhunt era and all, all that disaster that happened mm -hmm. for the Titans. A.J. Brown, that, I mean, I, I will never get over that in my entire life. Why that happened, a, a franchise that historically has struggled to keep superstar wide receivers or just find them in their prime. They found one and then traded away at first glance. And here we are now. You fired your GM and your head coach within 12 months. That's that's the definition of dysfunction. And maybe they come out at it better. Maybe Rand Carthon proves to be the elite general manager that fans, I included, want him to be. And they find that new head coach. But to me, I feel like you had the guy in Mike Vrabel. And if he didn't want to be here, I think the Titans need to take some blame for that. Why does he not want to be here? It's because... At every step of the way, it seemed like John Robinson was sabotaging the roster for the past three years, quite frankly. So I, I, I just think for me, I look at it, there's not a whole lot of stable time uh, as a Titans fan. It's been pretty up and down, quite frankly, uh, for the majority of it. So for me, I see this organization as dysfunctional. Well, I would say if the Titans are dysfunctional, and what are the Redskins? What are the Jets? Mm -hmm. What are the, you know, you can go down the list of teams. I just think that, you know, maybe Titans fans are just a little spoiled. <laughs> because at, at, at I've some had point, that opinion from time to time. <laughs> nah, because like it's a business and you got to watch around the league. And, you know, um, you know that the Titans went through ownership. They went through ownership change and. You know, Amy Adams Strunk is trying to figure it out herself, you know, trying to put the right people around her. Mm -hmm. um, they had Malarkey, the Titans, regardless who the head coach was, the Titans have been to the playoffs, AFC championship in the last five years. You know, saying yeah. there's number one seed two years a, ago. There's in the at playoffs. least 10 teams. There's like probably like 20 teams that can't even say that. Yeah. So, you know, right now it seems that they are on par to rebuild and, you know, get back into the play. So I feel like it's a two- to three-year cycle, like for most of these, like, sure. franchises. You sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's what's crazy is that um, who, was, who was the guy that was before J John Robinson? Oh, uh, Rustin, Rustin Webster. Rustin Webster. That you got we, – we, we had uh, – when Floyd left, we had um, – uh, it was Floyd. That was my GM. Mm -hmm. Then we had um, Reinfeld. Then you had Webster. Then you had um, the guy, um, J-Rob. Right? Yeah, John Robinson. Yeah. Rand hasn't even been here a year and people already want him out. Yeah, I know. Um, with those three, sorry, GMs. Because <laughs> to me, Reinfeld, like, he definitely messed it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. Um, Rustin, I don't mean to call him a sorry, but that was the Wizen Hunt era. Yep. You know what I yep. mean? And then 
J-Rob is just his work, and I like J-Rob as a person, so sure. I'm definitely not calling him sorry. Um, his work is just, you know, unraveling in yeah. front of our eyes right yeah. now. So, you know, and everybody's like, let's get rid of Ran. Get rid of Ran. Mike Rabel, Mike Rabel, he... Well, they're he, saying that because they're mad because Rabel's gone. They think Ran, <laughs> right. ran, ran, ran Rabel out of here. Nah, obviously Miss Amy wants her business ran a certain way. Mm-hmm. Vrabel wants to go about it a certain way, and they didn't agree. I just look at it like that. And then, you know, when when coaches, when Malarkey left, it wasn't, oh, J-Rob, it's your father. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying I feel like Rand hasn't even got an opportunity to do what he does, and he's um, getting doodled on. <laughs> Well, Mike Vrabel, not the only coaching change going on in football. Plenty of big names are on the move. We'll get to that, and we'll preview this weekend's playoff games as well. Stick around. More to come. Hey, it's John Burton from News Channel 5 and the Greg Pogan John Burton Show. And I'm former All-Pro linebacker for the Tennessee Titans, also known as Mr. Monday Night, Keith Bullock. And I'm Patton Cook. We're inviting you to join us every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 for What's Good with KB and JB, the podcast show. All live on Nashville Sports Radio 95.9 and all streaming platforms. We talk Titans, we talk SEC football, we talk NBA, we talk everything, and we also get a little petty from time to time. Make sure you join us. You're listening to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, live on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. So Mike Grable is out in Tennessee. And contrary to popular belief, he looks like he will not be going to New England to coach the Patriots. Uh, reports say, as we're taping this podcast, that uh, Gerard Mayo is getting the job to replace Bill Belichick, who is stepping down, who announced he was stepping down earlier this week. Uh, they're calling it a mutual parting of the ways, but man, I saw this coming. But man, when you look at Belichick's tenure at uh, New England, 24 years Nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl wins, 31 playoff wins, most all-time. I believe 17 divisional titles. Keith, you know you played in this league. It's a salary cap league. You're not supposed to sustain success for that long. And somehow, and you know, just so happens he has the greatest quarterback, arguably, of all time. But I'm not buying into the whole, well, Belichick is just an average coach without Brady. I mean, he had a lot to do with that success. Obviously, Brady did too, but, you know, for my money, Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, given the success he had, given where the NFL is now with the salary cap and player movement. Yeah, um, you know, for for Coach Belichick to win so many championships um, with, you know, with, Pretty much the same with the same organization um, is a magnificent feat. And to what you said, the way he went about it, you know, obviously Drew Bledsoe was the big money quarterback before Tom Brady. He got he got knocked out and Tom Brady came in. So a lot of those early New England teams, even the ones that I played against in 2003, 2004, 2006, 2007, you know, all the all the 2000s uh, in the first decade of the 2000s. Those are pretty much defensive teams. They won with defense, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. especially early in Tom's career. You know, you know, think about the Willie McGinnises, the Rodney Harrisons, the Richard Seymours, the, the Teddy Bruskies, and then you move on 
to like the the next era, you know, with the Chandler Joneses and you know the Patrick Chungs and the the guy that who's the Richard kid? Seymour, yeah, and the kid that played here, um, Logan Logan Ryan, he was yep. a good player for them. Yep, you know, so at that point, you know, the defensive system was in, um, and you just replaced the player, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they weren't really doing too trying to really blow people out they were just very efficient at what they did and tom brady didn't make mistakes yeah similar to peyton manning who didn't make a a lot of mistakes and you know bill bill belichick was a master game planner he would watch film and you can even watch you can even tell by the way when you see him in those nfl film things talking about ed reed and baltimore and and those things like you know, I know for a fact because one year we were playing up there and I'm a I'm a big key guy. I know reading my keys and, you know, coaches are always good. Good coaches are always going to, you know, um, put in a key breaker against, you know, a, a player um, that's a dude on offense or defense just to kind of mess them up. This is our play. We're going to get them. You know what I'm saying? And, and lo and behold, they did. They broke my keys. You know, my key, <laughs> my key told me to go this way. They did something to make me go that way, and they threw it back that way. And, mm-hmm. You know, Samari Rose was out there by himself <laughs> and got and, and this look got his elbow dislocated because I didn't follow the my back. But I, you know, anyway, long story short. But mm-hmm. coaches like that, they show longevity because they have the creativity, you know. Um, and then you think about like a coach like Saban. I know, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't go there yet, but mm-hmm. it's just the transition. He, he. I first heard of him at Michigan State because yeah. the guys that came onto my team, Eric Morris, um, Robert Smith, um, was cool with Julian Peters, they all had Saban. They was just talking about saving this, saving that. And <laughs> I guess he was a hard ass up there too. Yeah, you know oh yeah. what I'm saying? And yep. then um, you see him go to Miami Dolphins. It didn't work out like that. LSU. Um, and then obviously – what he's most known, he, we, people might not, I hope they don't forget that he won a national championship right. at LSU. Yeah, yeah. You know he has seven, six with Alabama, but seven right. overall. Yep. And then he goes back to LSU and um, brings back their, brings back their, um, um, I'm sorry, Alabama, and brings back their program to what we know it to be mm-hmm. the last 15 years is pretty amazing. Well, it's, it's, it's good that you mentioned Saban and Belichick in the same breath, Keith, because uh, they coached together in Cleveland. Same tree. Had it had it going there for a while. Uh, you know, Belichick was the head coach. Saban was the defensive coordinator. They were on to something until Art Modell pulled the plug and yanked them out of Cleveland and moved them to Baltimore, and then everything went to you know what. But you know, Patton, uh, going back to Belichick for a second. You know, Keith and I grew up seeing great coaches like uh, you know Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells. You know, I'm old enough to. Tom Landry. Yeah, Tom Landry, Chuck, Chuck Knowles on his you know, way Bud out. Grant. Who's the guy that was in um Seattle? Oh, uh Mike Holmgren? No, Chuck Knowles was in Seattle too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Chuck Knox. Chuck Knox. Yeah, 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 ground Chuck. Yeah, he's he's he Joe liked Gibbs. to run the ball. Yeah, Joe yeah, great one. Joe Gibbs. But, you know, I imagine for your generation being an NFL fan for as long as you've been, I mean, is Belichick the goat in your mind? I mean, he's our Lombardi. He's our yep. coach yeah. Wooden, uh, right. effectively. Yep. Just Someone from start to finish has been the guy and has never really had many questions on his job. And even even the best coaches, I feel like at some point you wonder, are they getting past it until really Tom Brady started to kind of inch his way out of New England? That's mm-hmm. really the first time I ever thought, is there, are there some holes in his game? Are there some holes in maybe 
his way of doing things because you wondered and you kind of questioned the Patriot way the past four or five years. Does that work anymore mm. in, in this league? And I, I think there's some questions there, but to your point, John, uh, a fant- fantastic head coach, a guy who uh, tormented me as a fan every time he seemed <laughs> to play the Titans. Trust me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but really that playoff game where, uh, of course, Mariota and the Titans, they beat the Chiefs, they advance on, they go to play New England, who ultimately ended up winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, They score first, the uh, the butt uh, the butt cheeks of John U. Smith would land <laughs> inbounds, and yep. that was as high as they can get, and then yeah. Tom Brady and company just stormed down and dropped 30 consecutively on your head, but fantastic head coach. One that I'm not going to say we're going to miss because I don't think he's done in the NFL. I think he's yeah. going to find another he's job. He's 15 wins short, I believe, for catching Don Shula for most all time, and I guess Don Shula, before he passed away, threw a little shade at him, so I think Belichick is motivated, you know, <laughs> doubly motivated as we get an early look at petty news, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to, to catch him and pass him. What were you going to say, KB? Um, I actually forgot but i <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I lost my i lost my thought. oh good what about what about saban i mean you know geez 17 years at alabama six national championships right seven overall and i mean they really set the standard for college football dominance which is not easy to do now and you know he's stepping away now at a time where there's more parody in college football than there's ever been right you're still going to have your upper echelon programs but now with the with the uh, the collective NIL, the transfer portal, you know the 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 gap's been narrowed a little bit between these upper echelon blue blood elite programs and maybe you know a, a program like a Clemson that can you know come through and win a couple of natties within that 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 uh, you know that time frame. Even though Dabo Sweeney says he doesn't want anything to do with transfer portal or NIL, well he better get on board. He's going to get left behind. But you know what Saban has done you know, in that period at Alabama is, is nothing short of remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And then even up to now with the NIL period, um, look, the national champions only beat them, beat Alabama, you know, because of that last play. Like, Alabama easily could have been in a national championship right. game, you know. And, Had the lead in the fourth right, quarter. Right, in, in the NIL um, era. So I think at this point, um, Nick Saban has nothing to prove. He's proven that he can win in the NIL NIL era. He's proven... A lot of people saying this year was his best job coaching because right. of the way they started and, you know... And it's like one of those things, um, you don't you don't see the, you know, the Jalen Waddles and you don't have the, you know, the explosive players that you had in the past on the offensive side of the ball besides your quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And he was still a young kid learning. But... Um, you know, that's when the coaching comes into play. That's when the, you know, buying into the program comes into play. And you guys mentioned the Patriot way. Um, you know, it's one thing when you're being the leader of men, as Bill Belichick was being, you know, that's where a Tom Brady would, would help out. You see you see yeah. comments from Amendola, oh, we, we, we worked for Bill and we played for Tom. You know, okay, fine, however you cut it. Right. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody had to put that structure together. You know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, when you're sitting on top, it's all good. You want somebody else to, to do mm-hmm. dirty work because you're controlling. Yeah, you delegate. Yeah, exactly. And um, Saban, I feel, did a great job 
um, most especially this year because um, of what he didn't have. We've always seen him in the past of, yo, Alabama stacked, yo, Alabama. And I'm right. sure, obviously, compared to other teams, they were stacked. But I just think that the Saban way got him through to the point to where they got this year because no matter what, those kids believed. Even when they lost early in the year, whatever reason, those kids believed all the way to the last minute of that Michigan game. And we should also mention Pete Carroll, even though I couldn't stand his antics on the sidelines with the gum chewing and the cheerleading. You know, <laughs> I'm the youngest 72-year-old in the world. This guy's a darn good coach. I mean, you know, what, 14 years, I believe, in Seattle. Uh, made the playoffs, I think, 10 times. I mean, you talk about another consistently good program. Won one Super Bowl, should have won two back-to-back. And he's one of the few guys, he might be the only guy to win a college national championship in a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, that... That guy's got nothing to, uh, you know, he doesn't, have, he, that guy doesn't take a backseat to anybody in the coaching ranks, even though, you know, like I said, I think he's a little shady, a little squirrely, but, you know, darn good football coach. I mean, if you're going to say Pete Carroll's shady, what we yeah, call I know, Jim I know. Harbaugh. I know, like, what are we talking God, about here, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, he won back to back in college with SC. Should have three peated. Could have three peated. VY shut that down. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think it's suspect, whatever. I'm not in that conversation. <laughs> Um, and then come to the NFL and not really have to have a rebuilding year. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? If you make the playoffs 10 times in 14 years. He, he made Geno Smith a pro bowler. You're competitive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that like, so for me being a for, uh, as a former player, um, we're talking about like all these coaches styles and their different ways, the Patriot way, the same way, mm-hmm. um, you know, Obviously, there are better people for this conversation because they actually played with him. But obviously, you know, Pete Carroll resonates with his players across the board. I feel that, and I always say, it takes someone, uh, a real special man to be able to lead men, to make them believe you that they're doing things the right way. That what you're telling them, if they do it like this, that, you know, these are the results we're going to get. And for... You know, Pete Carroll to be able to do it with kids that are range 17 to 23, and then mm-hmm. men range 22 to 32, some even 42. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And to have that, to be able to garner that respect. Now, let's be real. Not everybody in the building is going to like their boss. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But at the end of the day, we're all there to do a common, to, to for a common cause to get a job done. And um, all three of these men, all three of these coaches, um, you know, should definitely be commended. And I'm sure they each got a little um, stink on their resume somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're not we're not going there. Right, right, right. That's the, we're, we're yeah. celebrating. Yeah, that's these right. Gentlemen. That's right. That's right. It's not the platform <laughs> for that yet. But you kind of brought it up, Keith, when you were a player and you became an established player, an all pro, a pro bowler. You know, did, did your approach and how you took coaching change at all? Because we've talked about it before on the show. You know, you go from Jeff Fisher, the ultimate players coach, and then you go to New York to play for Tom Coughlin, who's, mm-hmm. you know, the strict disciplinarian, you know, uh, you know, get to the meeting five minutes early, you know, wear your socks above your ankles, all this kind of stuff. You know, did you did your change approach to how you, you know, took coaching where you're like, listen, I got this coach. I'm Keith Bullock. Okay, I got this. Um, you know, what was your approach? Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you get to a point where you you know what to do because you understand the game. That was pretty fast for me. So by the time 
you know, Coach Dave McGinnis became my coach in year five, year six. You know, I was at that stage, and, and Coach McGinnis realized early that he didn't have to necessarily tell me much. You know, he would have to coach me on what needed to be coached for who we were going to play. And then also, I always say, you know, um, a thing that will go unnoticed is, you know, he kept me accountable. You know, yeah. knowing that I am. Hey, me, you said you're going to do this. Yeah, like me knowing myself. Oh, I'm Keith Bullock. Oh, yo, coach, do I got to go to this meeting? Do I got to do this? I'm not like, nah. You got to be there. You yeah. got to do this. Yeah, we need you to do. This. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He held mm -hmm. me accountable. Didn't let me cut corners. Um, for the five six years he coached me. Not right. that I was. Necessarily, but you had that C on your jersey, yeah. so you already felt a sense yeah. of obligation to do these yeah, things. Yeah, right? not that necessarily I would try and cut corners, mm -hmm. but I just know that he. You know, if I didn't have a good game, I remember one time we were playing Jacksonville and we were like 8-0. and And I remember in that game, my mindset was like, man, we're balling. Like, we had like a number of top three defense in the league. I was like, I don't have to do much today. You know, I got <laughs> and you know what? That's the game Maurice Jones-Drew ran for like 180. <laughs> because, like, those things correlate. Right, like, me right. putting my guard down, mm -hmm. being like, yo, our defense is good. Our defense is good because I play good, too. Right. And when I don't go out there and do my job, this is what happened. Yeah, we're going to win, but we're going to give up 180 yards to a really good running back. Right. Whereas I need to be on point. And going into that meeting after that game on Monday, you know, Coach Max rolling before he even starts the film. I think I was in there first. He's like, KB, like, were you sick on? Were you sick yesterday? I was like, nah, why? And then, <laughs> you know, we start the meeting and he starts rolling the tape. And then, you know, so that's yeah, his yeah. subtle yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. if you wasn't sick, this tape is about to make you sick, you know? So, <laughs> you know, um, is it? But it's like they say, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? It takes yeah. all 11, right? Yeah, he kept me on point. And that way, that would allow me, he held me accountable to hold myself accountable. And as a captain, like you say, wearing that C on my chest mm -hmm. gave me, you know, the credibility to hold everyone else accountable on my defense and on my team. So it's a correlation. Coming up, we're going to let Patton cook. We're going to get into petty news. Oh, he's been cooking all day. I know, already. I know. He all week, early. brother. All week. We're also going to uh, make our predictions for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. We're going to break down every game for you. Stay with us. A lot more coming up. Welcome back to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show. Exclusively on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Well, he's the producer of my radio show here in Nashville with Greg Pogue on WNSR. He's the producer of this podcast show as well, and he has been burning all week. We do it every week at this time, KB. You know what it's time for. Let Patton cook. Hit it. Well, I, I will not be cooking about Mike Vrabel. I've uh, bursted hearts and lungs and brains and, and, and any vital organs. We had to rein you in a little bit. With sure did. I may or may not have called Amy Adams drunk a coward earlier in the week. Uh, I've kind of backed off that ledge a little bit. But yeah. It is Titans related, and it is around kind of the the trade, I guess, a little a little bit. And I get the excuses; takes too long. It would put you at the back. You have to wait. You can't. You got to do everything by the book. And as I've gotten older, I believe I've gotten colder uh, in my heart, and my morals <laughs> in sports have seemingly dropped. I think as well. 
Why are the Titans the only organization, it seems like, that are playing by the rules? How about we take the kid gloves <laughs> off? I mean, let, let's tamper a little bit. I mean, everyone else does it. I mean, I know New England didn't end up uh, hiring Mike Vrabel. You cannot tell me they didn't have discussions about him possibly taking over that job. I think what the Titans should have done. It's more likely than not likely, exactly. to, to your point. It should have went, go through some agents, go through the back channels, get a good idea on who would be interested. I'm not saying you got to smuggle them in the sewer system of <laughs> Nissan Stadium and interview them that way. Just just get Andy different. Right. Just get some ideas from agents. Are you going to be interested in this job? Are you not? Because ultimately, what are the interviews? I mean, right. it, it's. Uh, what, what what's your cap space? What who's your quarterback? Mm-hmm. And, and what's your draft pick? I mean, ultimately, that's really all you need to know. These coaches know everybody around the league. So for my let Patton cook, how about we take the moral police? Let's take the kid gloves off. Let's tamper a little bit, Tennessee Titans, in the future. Let's do that. Everybody else is doing it. It's like the steroids in baseball in the late '90s. Everybody knew everybody was doing it. So you know, well, okay, you, you make a good point. Keith, there's all kinds of petty news this week. I don't know where to start, whether it's Coach Darko of the Raptors going off on the referees. Oh, wow. That was great. It's even better when it's a thick European accent. You know, hey, man, this, but look. This is clap. <laughs> look, bro. I, what? Uh, the Raptors had four uh, four foul shots in the fourth quarter, and the Lakers had 23. Yeah. And the Lakers won by, what, like six or something? They won by one. One by one, one. with 23 <laughs> foul shots? Yeah. Come on, son. Like one of those fouls that they called um, Anthony Davis super flopped. Yeah, like, I saw that. Yeah, it was crazy. Man. Yeah. And also, uh, Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock are having a war of wor- words. Uh, you know, So they- that was going to be mine. Okay. That was going to be let's, mine. Let's have at it, bro. Just because. Uh, well, go ahead. Finish. You line no, it up. Well, just some background. You know, uh, Jason Whitlock's been in and out of ESPN and. Listen, you know, you can you can do your research on Jason Whitlock. He's not really liked amongst other African American sports media personalities for a number of reasons. I'll just leave it at that. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, look, like as a, as a as a African American black athlete, like mm-hmm. Jason Whitlock is one of those guys who kind of trends on the side of um, he he'll he'll more so attack and kind of yeah. put the black athlete on the spot. He's more of a He's shut like, up and dribble kind of guy. Yeah. Like this was the um, guy that said, uh, uh, just to jump in real quick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, when when uh, when there was uh, somebody painted a racial slur outside of LeBron James's home in L.A., <laughs> Whitlock came on and said, "Well, LeBron James has no right to talk about racism or even be you know considered having anything racist done to him because he's rich." That's what it said. Yeah, like you got more than a dollar in your pocket, Keith. Did you agree with that? I feel, but that's why I'm saying things like that. I feel like he says he says to be divisive, and then it's also like um, he panders to a certain crowd Mm -hmm. and some crazy stuff about Serena Williams. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He panders to a certain crowd, and um, you know he tries. He's the he tries to antagonize people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and then that's fine. You do what you do what you got to do, but. You know, a lot of people don't take a liking to it. And I just think it's funny because, on the other hand, Stephen A. Smith is similar yeah. in a sense that, exactly. like, he's, he, yep. he, he's not the most, you know, um, defensive when it comes to mostly any athletes. But then he definitely, you know, being a black athlete, I definitely see that he will, you know, um, 
magnetize mm-hmm. uh, certain um, instances when it comes to an African man or a black athlete that, um, you know, not even white broadcasters do, sports yeah. broadcasters do. He just takes it, him and Whitlock sometimes just take it upon himself <laughs> to make a, a big deal about things that, like, you know, it's it's not a big of a deal, but it's a bigger deal because you are, you have this platform, you're also African-American, right. and you can say things about um, African-Americans that other broadcasters that might be a different race don't even care to possibly, even yeah. bring up or say, you yeah. know, so it's like that's what the that's what um a lot of the you know uh, not necessarily discuss or just like ah, I'm, nobody I'm not messing with yeah him. I'm not mad yeah <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> to, put, to put it politely yeah so uh, that's yeah. that's where a lot of that comes from he just um but then to see them both go at each other in the way that Stephen A was just really name calling yeah you know what I mean yeah like, called just, him a fat blank the the, the guy from um. <laughs> Uh, Austin Powers, the first yeah, Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you watch the Austin Powers series, you know where I'm where we're going. But with yeah, no, nah, JB, like, uh, I'm curious to see what you think. My thing, my take yeah. is like, okay, Stephen A. He works for ESPN. He has a, a day job on ESPN, mm-hmm. but he does a podcast like we're doing right now. Yep, do exactly what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So obviously, on your podcast, you can go off cuff a little bit more than you can when you're on broadcast television. But at the same time, you still have an employee and the things that you do mm-hmm. represent your employer. So, well, to be fair, Pat McAfee's doing kind of the same thing, but you're, you're, you're right. Uh, Stephen A's podcast is a lot different than what he does on first take. And he goes in different avenues and, you know, but I, first take was first. You understand yeah, what I'm exactly. saying? So yeah. he just, I, he just started riffing on his podcast like yeah. that. Cause he's always had his podcast. He's just started with the, with the with the gangster ish. <laughs> well, I think I think his ultimate goal is to eventually go independent of right. ESPN and and make his money off of his podcast, which you know I think he has an opportunity to do. I mean, McAfee did that for a while. Club Shay Shay Shannon Sharp's thing. That's an independent thing. I still uh, I still believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So I think that's his ultimate goal. Like you know, because when you're at ESPN. You can only say so much. You can only do right. so much. But if he has his own sponsor, you know, Dan Levitard's got his own thing. He can talk about whatever he wants right. now after he left ESPN. And I think Stephen A wants to be like in that, in you know, in that lane. And that's what I want him to be if that's yeah. his goal. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying <laughs> it'd be, that. It'd be real entertaining, I could tell yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying that. Like, it's just, it's just off. It's just out of, uh, it's, it's a little out of his character. Yeah, that's yeah. All. Super wild card weekend. Before we uh, dive into these games, KB, you know, as a former player, the jump from regular season to playoffs, you played in a lot of playoff games. What is the intensity like? What is the jumping intensity like? Oh, man, it's um, playoff football is um, pretty amazing. Like playing on Monday night is cool. Sunday night, a night game is cool. But, um, you know, there's so much at stake. And, um, I love playing in the playoffs because you can't make a mistake because yeah. every mistake counts. Right. You can't make any mistakes because who's to say if the mistake you make costs your team the game? Right. And I love and, playing. And if you lose, there's no game next yeah, week. Yeah, man. Done. And um, <laughs> I love playing, uh, you know, I love getting everyone's best. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like as a player for me. 
that's how I always solidified myself because, like, if these guys across from me on offense are giving me their best mm-hmm. and I'm still able to have success, I'm pretty good out here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, and I love playing in the playoffs because every game was like a Monday night football game because yeah. you got to play your best. You got to play your best. So I, I loved it. All right, let's go through these games. We won't pick against the spread, guys. We'll just give our thoughts on uh, who we think is going to win. Browns at the Texans, early game Saturday. I like the Browns. I like what Flacco's doing. You got a rookie head coach in Houston, rookie quarterback. You got January Joe. I like the Browns' defense. I think they'll be able to run the ball a little bit. I like the Browns going to Houston to win. I like the Browns as well. Houston, to me, uh, really a team that's never been in this situation. Their starting quarterback has never played a playoff game before, and it will be at home, so that will be nice. But I think there's going to be a good amount of Browns fans there. They will be migrating down south for the warmer weather, I guess, in Houston. (laughs) But I I think Joe Flacco has done wonders for this football team. They look so confident. They believe in him. And I think right now Kevin Stefanski, my coach of the year, He's, he's, he's had a nice, good amount of time. They didn't play their starters last week. I think I think they're going to get it done. I'm with you guys. Um, I'm taking the Browns over the Texans. Uh, you know, I like everything that they, they have a quarterback with a lot of experience. Although Houston Texans have a young quarterback with a lot of skills, yeah. right now experience will reign supreme. Um, the coaching staff is more um, experienced. So for a lot of the same reasons uh, – Patton gave. I'm not gonna go through them again. Yeah. Is why I'm he, picking the Browns. You, you weren't a quarterback, but you pl- you. I mean, you played your first playoff yeah. game. What was that like for you? Kind of hearing your old head teammates talk about it. How how big was that for you to kind of play that first one? Yeah, I remember um, we played Pittsburgh at home, and um, this is another reason um, they might Texans could come out slow because they haven't been there. We played Pittsburgh at home. And the first time we played Pittsburgh, I had a good game. It was, you know, nothing to it. Made a bunch of plays, a bunch of tackles. First play of the game, um, they came to my side uh, with Zeraway. And, you know, I lost contain. And they got like an eight-yard gain. And I just remember from the sidelines, um, one of my teammates, my rookie class teammate was like, hey, man, get your head in the game. You don't miss that play. Like, it was a play yeah, that yeah, I hadn't yeah. missed all year. Yeah. But the speed of the game, like, yeah. they were coming. And, mm-hmm. like, I just I just lost contain. That's all it was. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, then I, I got it together. But, you know, you got it's, – it's not – it's no relaxing. You got to jump on it. And um, I think Cleveland will come out like that. Dolphins Chiefs going to be butt-ass cold in Kansas City. <laughs> I like Kansas City. I don't think – I don't think that Dolphins offense is – uh, going to be as effective in the cold. Patton? Load up. Uh, oh, sorry, Pat. Oh, all good. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I've i got a weird feeling about this one. I think just the mood around Kansas City, it's been pretty tame. You mentioned the weather. Of course, they're going to be ready for it. I'm not sure Miami is, but I like Miami in this one. I don't really know why. I just feel like they've got an upset coming. They've got nothing to lose, quite frankly, because, I mean, half the rosters out there, like the Titans uh, the past two years, Skill guys are starting to go down. I don't believe Waddle's going to be playing in this one. It's going to be a Tyree kill and and Tua show for four quarters. I, I just I don't think Kansas City's the same team. I like Miami to pull off the upset. I didn't really put much thought into this one, but after listening to Patton, <laughs> I think I like Miami too because I think that they can score early, get up by like a couple touchdowns early, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just play defense because it's going to be cold out there. And yeah. Miami, can they got quick strike ability. 
You know, yeah. they have a better offense, and that's what Kansas City has been struggling with all year. And if it's going to be in the negative, they couldn't catch the ball when it was in the positive. Yeah, I'm the Dolphins. Yeah, by the way, you need a subscription to Peacock if you want to watch that game for all you Swifties out there. Or you can hit me on my Twitter and I'll give you the hack. <laughs> Steelers, Bills in Buffalo. Weather could play a factor in this game as well. Steelers without TJ Watt. Um, you know, it's a it's a big spread. It's a double-digit spread. I think the Steelers keep it close, but, but I like the Bills to win. I'm with you. I, to me, the Bills are far and away the better team. Mason Rudolph, that's been a nice story. Reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of your guy, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this storybook ending, I think, is going to come crashing down. Bills have got to be feeling high to the sky. I mean, we were talking about him a month ago, talking about Josh Allen. Is he bang or bust? Well, here he is in the uh, playoffs and number two seed in the AFC. Yeah, better not lose this game. Yeah, I'm going with the Bills, man. Uh, just because of what you just said, they better not lose this game. This is the only way for them to keep their window open. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're fairly healthy. They can get through this one. Um, they might be able to uh, get to that, have an easier road to the AFC Championship. Cowboys-Packers on Sunday. Uh, I'm picking the Cowboys here. I hope the Packers uh, pull the upset. But, you know, the Cowboys have been great at home all year. Dax had a great year, an MVP caliber type year. 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 4,500 yards passing. I like what Jordan Love is doing with the Packers, but they're not ready to go into Dallas and and and, and win that game. Yeah, I think Matt LaFleur is going to have to have a perfect game plan for this one because Cowboys defense, it's not what it was last year. They've been banged up. They've had some injuries, but I think for a first-time quarterback, uh, his first playoff game, I, I don't see this one going well. And right now, Dak... It's kind of put some of the haters to bed, I think, a little bit. The East play a lot better. It's really just started to feed C.D. Lamb and nobody else, and that's been working. Yeah, I think um, Dallas's defense shows up. Micah Parsons gets those guys going because at the end of the day, um, I think the teams that have been playing good all year know that it really the season really starts once you make the playoffs. So, you know, we're about to see what Dallas is all about. I don't think the pack has enough for them. Sunday night game, Rams at the Lions. Matthew Stafford comes back to Detroit where he was the franchise quarterback there. Lions without their stud tight end, uh, Laporta. I think they're going to struggle, and I think you know their defense has not been great the last couple of weeks. They allowed Nick Mullins to uh, throw for a lot of yardage, and you got uh, Puka Nakua and uh, Cooper Cup coming into town indoors on a dry field. I like the Rams in the upset. Yeah, I don't think uh, the Lions could have picked a worse matchup. Yeah. Matthew Stafford, and really the way they play, I think it really goes against on how Detroit plays. Their defense has not been very good this year, which has been surprising for a Dan Campbell team. Give me L.A., and don't you just feel for it if the Lions I don't win this. I, I, I hope I'm wrong here. I want the Lions to Well, win. I'm going to take KB. the Lions just because, you know, they've been playing hard all year, and they said that they were going to get to this point, and they're here, so they got to finish. All right, quickly, Eagles, Buccaneers. I like Tampa in the upset. Give me the Eagles. They got to win. Got to yeah. win. Could be changes in Philly if they don't. I'm going with the Eagles because I would hate to see this collapse. It might be one of the biggest um, in a long time. I say bring it on as a Giants fan. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> Guys, super wild card weekend. The playoffs are here. A lot to talk about this week. Always love chopping it up with you guys. Thanks as always. Thanks to you all for listening. Make sure to check us out on uh, streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. Peace.